how do you price an ad on your channel? That's probably the most common question we get from other creators. And it was the biggest question we had when we first started on YouTube. So we're hosting a live workshop on how to price yourself. This is everything that we've learned in the past 13 years of being on YouTube and our simple three-step process that'll help you develop concrete pricing. So if you wanna join us for this live session, just go to colinandsamir.com slash live. Enter your email and you'll get all the information about our live event on May 9th. All right, hope you enjoy this episode of The Colin and Samir Show. Hundreds of millions of people spent over billion minutes absorbing it. The face swap with uh, Tom Cruise. You haven't seen it? No. You got to see this. I believed it, though. So did the rest of the world. The rest of the world, yeah. And then it became very scary very fast. Tom Cruise has become a viral hit on TikTok, or has he? Congress has held hearings on deepfakes and AI, and the FBI tells NBC News they're following the rapidly developing technology closely. The ultimate uh, gauge for all of time. I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. And now maybe no longer. The future is here. This conversation is one of the most unique and forward-looking conversations we've ever had on this channel. Miles Fisher, aka Deep Tom Cruise, is someone that we met a while ago because he watched our channel. And he introduced us to what he was doing with deepfake synthetic media, and we were completely blown away. But what we learned about Miles was that he's been a creator on the internet for a very long time. He's gone viral across YouTube and TikTok and even been in movies before, as well as started a coffee company that ended up partnering with Emma Chamberlain to launch Chamberlain Coffee. It's one of the most unique individuals we've ever met. And this conversation covers an incredibly wide range of topics from everything he's doing with his company Metaphysics in the world of deepfakes and Hollywood, his partnership with Emma Chamberlain, and his history of going viral on the internet. Now, if you're listening to this episode, I would recommend that you go over to YouTube and watch this one. First of all, Miles is extremely animated and really does look like Tom Cruise, which is interesting. But we also included a lot of B-roll and A-roll of the deepfakes, so you actually get to watch how those work. It's a very visual experience. I mean, I think you'll enjoy listening to this, but even if you listen to it in full, head over to YouTube, check it out, leave a comment. All right, let's get into the episode. Anyone ever told you you look like Tom Cruise? I, <laughs> I have heard it before. <laughs> I've experienced a lot in my life, people just naming any Indian actor when they come up to me. They're oh, like, oh really? my God, it's a season sorry. <laughs> yeah. But they believe it. They don't even say you look like. They, they, they just believe it, like yeah. fully. Yeah. 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 I, I always get, you know, you remind me of Michael Sarah. Yeah. Okay. And I used yeah. to get that in like the, the heart of the super bad Juno <laughs> era. <laughs> sure. Which like he is like, He's awkward. Yeah. yeah. That's just who he is. That's his character. Yep. And I'd be like, oh, all right. <laughs> Thanks. Well, it, it requires a bit of a disassociation because it's not personal to you. Of course. At all. Right. People get really excited. I mean, if it's just a template for any, <laughs> sure. I mean, there's, there's, you can take offense to that a little sure. bit. Uh, I have gone through my whole life, almost the, you know, the classic, whatever they are, six stages, you know, of... Uh, denial, anger, depression, mm, and yeah. then finally acceptance. Mm. And there's no escaping it. When I first came across the account, I remember coming across it and being like floored by it because I was convinced. I looked at it and I was like, how interesting. I mean, it's a pandemic. Celebrities are doing interesting things. Like it was mm -hmm. the perfect time for that moment. Right. Because right. they couldn't make movies. They, they yeah. couldn't make television. Yes. it was. This and they were all showing up to the party kind of like, What's up, internet? Yeah. Like, what's kind of going all, on here? All the celebrities were coming to social media. And we were media. like, that's strange. Yeah. <laughs> totally. <laughs> that's that's that strange. Lasts. Well, also, the funny thing about, like, Tom Cruise, right, is he is the last of the last of the last. I mean, when we think of the shiniest A-list talent, like, George Clooney came up through TV. Yeah. Frankly, Tom Hanks came up through TV. But, like, everybody has had, like, a walk-on cameo on, like, Friends or what. Sure. Tom Cruise has never been on a single episode of any television show Whoa. ever once, ever. Wow. Whoa. Tom Cruise has never advertised any product ever once, ever. Whoa. And so when you shrink the, we've all known this person in our imagination by sitting a distance of 60 feet away in a big black public box with his face three stories tall to mm. You know, TikTok, which is the ultimate selfie medium, mm. where the distance literally is, you know, two and a half feet mm -hmm. and it's 
creating this character of like, okay, what's up, internet? Uh, today we're gonna <laughs> today we're gonna talk about unclogging a toilet. Okay, now here's what I like to do, you know, and just imagine like. Does Tom Cruise unclog his own toilets? And like, how does he do that? And then how does he share that with like 19 year olds over the internet? Like, that's yeah. so silly. Yeah. And it's very, very fun. Yeah. Mm. You, the, the one thing I'll say, after watching a few of the deep Tom Cruise videos, what slowly started to sink in with me was that this was interesting because you were a fantastic actor. Like if you weren't a good mm -hmm. actor, that's not that interesting. Yeah. And I think that's one of the most fascinating uh, things to recognize about deep fakes and AI right now is that in order for them to be interesting, there has to be some level of human talent that it's either based on or that it's complemented by, right? Like it's the mix of the human talent plus the technology that's making this interesting right now. You're kind of say that. Um, I agree with you. I think, you know, the, the effect of it would wear off quickly. And what, what matters most like with all things, is, you know, storytelling, the craftsmanship. Yeah. And then for me, embracing the creative joy of this character. But you're, you're, you're nice to mention the, uh, the acting chops because there's been a little bit of this whole thing of deep. It's like, hey, you look like Tom Cruise. And then people are like, well, you should, you should be his stunt double, of which there's a lot of dignity to being a stunt double for yeah. anyone. Mm -hmm. um, but part and parcel with that is, yeah, you should go out to Hollywood and be a stunt double because you know you probably don't have all that much horsepower up here to do anything else because you look like Tom Cruise. Mm -hmm. And you know, you're the equivalent kind of like a dumb blonde joke or yeah. just like mm -hmm. a mannequin. And that was from a really early age. I mean, you sent us some like clippings of mm. you at a really young age and the, all the lines of copy are like the next Tom Cruise or like, right. you know, like it's, it's, it's all these references. Uh, were, did it excite you to go be a creative and be an actor or did it feel like you just had to? I felt like it was, so my idea of a good time. <laughs> Let's get into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is, uh, is putting on a show for friends. Yeah. It always has been. Yeah. Well, I'm one of four children, uh, have three siblings. And, you know, my, my, my siblings are very thoughtful and, and very accomplished. And I think, you know, the role I sought, uh, I identified with from a very, very early age was that of entertainer to be worthy of my parents' love. Mm. And so because I could do accents and because I could, I grew up a musician and, you know, I was the one who brought levity to the yeah. dinner table and yes. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And and when I saw my parents react, I thought it was great. Now at the same time, having gone to high school in DC and my father uh, was in the Clinton administration at the time, various very high profile people would come back to our house and my dad would, you know, and they would say, well, yeah. you look like a young Tom Cruise. And then my dad would say, do, do an impression, you know, yeah. and would kind of do an impression. And it was almost these handcuffs that I like, I liked the adoration, but I also, um, slightly resented being put kind of in that box. Yeah. And then at school, I went to a school where every day the entire high school had lunch together. So, you know, my kind of social capital, I would do these sketches. I would basically make YouTube videos before YouTube mm -hmm. and would show them in our school assembly. And then t teachers started, you know, having cameos and it became mm. really cool and fun. It's like, have you, do you want to be in Fisher's next video? Mm. And my audience was only, you know, 300 students in this little auditorium. But I loved doing that. Yeah. It was, I want to continue doing this for the rest of my life. Yeah. But be creatively entrepreneurial about it. You know, I had I had to find a way where, so I'll age myself a little bit. I graduated college in 2006. Google had just acquired this thing called YouTube. Brands were taking 30-second TV spots and just slapping it on the internet. Um, I had enough chutzpah to start reaching out to brands and say, look, this is a different type of engagement. This is called social media. Um, it elicits a different emotional response. Let me make videos for you. And so I started a little digital ad agency. It was called Milestone Media and started signing, you know, uh, very reputable clients like Range Rover and Vizio and K-Swiss, making fun videos, getting lots of views. Where's the video going? The, the video's going on YouTube. On Early. Range Rover's account or on Vizio's account or just, on your Just YouTube, on mine, just on, on mine. Channel. And no, because at the time it was just, this was like peak, like, you know, 
straight up banner ads. Right, yeah. right. And so because it was dinky digital videos that nobody took seriously at all, had no prestige associated with it at all, um, people were being pretty flagrant. And so I was like, I will make music videos that the thing about music is if music's good, people play it over and over and over again. And YouTube was a way for people to get free music. And I remember one of the first big hits I had as a music video, I did a cover of uh, David Byrne, The Talking Heads, This Must Be The Place. Mm -hmm. And all the visuals perfectly matched. We rebuilt kind of the set of American Psycho. And it's a really cool video. Holds up. It was nominated for some awards. Um, and that video is an incredible recreation. And again, mm -hmm. I would I would say like in that video, like the performance matters a lot in that. If you're not performing that as well as you're performing that, it's a little bit less interesting. That's an incredible showcase of, you know, artistic abilities and craft. And, you know, I recall- Slash kind of crazy. Yeah, People were like, crazy. why on why, earth are you spending- What's the incentive? Yeah, what's the exactly. incentive here? Why exactly. would you do this? And that's exactly. what makes it remarkable as yeah. well yeah. back then. Well, uh, one, my idea of fun is putting on a show. Right. And so uh, I, I also, I grew up in a somewhat established family in the world of finance and the world of government. And I wanted to go to a place where there was no leg up where my last name didn't mean anything mm -hmm. to anybody and where, you know, it was not, oh man, you went to Harvard. It's like, dude, you finished high school. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. why? Yeah, like, yeah, welcome yeah, to Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some fascination with like, you were creating YouTube videos that led you to auditioning and acting. First of all, I want to ask you, what was the, what did you feel the primary difference was on a, it, it being in the traditional creative business versus the independent creative business? Well, one is there's, there's, there's a sense of feeling, Hey, I've, I've made it. Yeah. Insofar as a legitimizing, um, you know, wow, we're This is a real movie set and totally. this is going to have like a marketing budget. The next level of my career was, you know, the lead of television shows in meaty roles. And, um, I got down to kind of me and the other guy to test for the leads of shows, maybe 20 times. Mm -hmm. It's not an exaggeration. Um, and what I found out was the ultimate decision makers, kind of as you imagine, behind like a mm -hmm. one-way glass window wearing <laughs> suits, <laughs> yep. was, okay, well, do we want kind of the interesting, uh, slightly off-kilter artistic take, or do we want the Tom Cruise guy? Um, I have had studio heads to my face call me discount Tom Cruise. Hmm. Uh, and I realized there's just no shaking this. Um, and so kind of quickly realized as I was approaching 30 that I had to find something else. And then the, the next kind of step for me was, um, you know, this, this, this advent of direct to consumer where you had, I had a, I had a buddy, he created this incredible thing called Dollar Shave Club. His friend's father came to him said, I have a warehouse full of razor blades. If you got any ideas, you know, sell away. And he created this YouTube video. Um, obviously that video was extraordinary as a case study. It's kind of lightning in a bottle. Mm -hmm. But having seen that kind of from day one, I thought, okay, like this makes sense. Humans are loyal to convenience. Um, you can now kind of build a website easily on your own with, you know, this was just kind of before Shopify really mm -hmm. took off, but the consumer brands of the last hundred years were introduced on shelves. The brands of today and tomorrow are introduced through the phone screen. I'm, I think I'm good at kind of selling cool and inspiring the imagination through the phone screen. I've been a coffee nut my whole life. Uh, who's trying to do this for coffee? My partner and I quit our jobs and founded Bixby because making fresh coffee should be easy. I partnered with a guy named Remington Hotchkiss, who- What a uh, name. Wow. What a name. What a name, right? <laughs> like, chances he played lacrosse yeah. on the yeah. East Coast. Hi. Uh, not on the East Coast, from, Cal from California. Okay. From California. His, right. his full name is Remington Bixby Hotchkiss. Mm. Okay. And uh, I was the one who really wanted Bixby as yeah. our name, um, because it's a great name. It's a great name. Mm -hmm. And we started, we started this little coffee company, 
And it grew and it grew and it was kind of tough. And then we, you know, I had an idea of white labeling for influencers. And so we were able to white label with some podcasts and that worked really well. And then we worked with some influencers and then, um, you know, kind of pitched the idea of creating a coffee company with this extraordinarily talented girl, Emma Chamberlain, who loved coffee yeah, mm-hmm. and was created an entire new visual grammar and vernacular on YouTube. I mean, she is an artist. I remember seeing some totally. of her videos and mm-hmm. just thinking, what an extraordinary gift uh, this girl has. And if she loves coffee, um, you know, let's do it. We have the infrastructure. Um, so b- built, built up this brand slowly and then, you know, credit to her and her team have turned this into uh, an, an extraordinary brand, a real, yeah. real brand. Mm-hmm. But what is beautiful about that is, you know, it is a, it's not just about the commodity and the coffee. It is proof of value of the relationship that the consumer has with Emma. Mm-hmm. For example, over 50% of direct-to-consumer sales of Chamberlain Coffee include merchandise. Wow. Mm. You guys have found that too. So what does that yeah. mean? That means that consumers are drinking the coffee. They like the coffee. They come back for the coffee repeat purchase, but they're badging themselves with the brand. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's a sign of community the, and identity. The yeah. opposite really of going to the grocery store and grabbing whatever's available. Yeah. Right. And Emma was just brilliant. One of the first things she ever said when we first met was, I don't get it. I, I, I go to a grocery store and I look at like the coffee and it's all brown bags. All the bags are brown. <laughs> they all kind of look the same. Yeah. What a great concept. And she's like, I, I want, how come, you know, you look at the wine category thinking you're an adult and it's all f- fancy French words and engravings of chateaus. Sure. And then there's a brand that has like a cute little kangaroo and a penguin on it. Well, that Australian brand turns out to be a world industry leader because, you know, they, yeah. it's like, let's do that for, let's that, do that for coffee. That to me is like a is a skill that you learn without knowing it by publishing content to the internet. That's right. Because Emma is getting all this data when she's posting videos about thumbnails and yep. Ooh, that one mm-hmm. stuck out from the crowd. Ooh, that one's different. Ooh, people like this one more than that one. You're getting, it's probably the most rapid data collection for creatives ever, right? Because you're, you're just putting stuff out and immediately getting feedback and then trying again. And with a format like Emma's, that's heavily based on her personality and the way, and she was editing herself too. Um, she's applying the feedback within the same week. So I think that's, it's interesting, like the observations you make based on consumers from publishing content to the internet, you start to get that depth of understanding of like, wait, all this looks the same. Shouldn't I just do something that sticks out? Emma Chamberlain is a all world, timeless, all-star talent. Yeah, agreed. That's all you want. And by the way, while we're at it, Let's actually build a real company where you're the equity stakeholder mm-hmm. and this can this can go to the moon. It's super, super exciting. Yeah. So I, I want to ask, you've brought up Emma Chamberlain. You went to school with Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> if you just scroll through your TikTok, you are, I always call ourselves, Samir and I, the Forrest Gump of YouTube, because if you look at some of the most historical videos, yeah. or if you just search around, you'll see us kind of in the background. Yeah. And yeah. the more I learn about you, the more I watch of you. I'm like, actually, Miles is kind of the Forrest Gump Gump. of YouTube social video. At what point in this journey is Deep Tom Cruise when you have a coffee company, you've got Bixby, you meet Emma Chamberlain. Where are we in the Deep Tom Cruise journey? Uh, As the coffee company started to become a real entity, I thought, okay, um, let's continue to do kind of some fun stuff on the side. And to market the uh, coffee, we did very classic kind of, you know, call to action marketing. So we would make, I'd made these videos and they did really well. And we sold a lot of coffee, got millions of views. And when that happens, you get tens of thousands of comments. This is no exaggeration, Colin. One out of three comments was, whoa, when did Tom Cruise start a coffee company? <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. does this tidy whitey coffee? Like, is it, you know, and all this stuff. And I just thought, my God, what am I? <laughs> like again, yeah, like I, yeah, I can't get away from it. And, uh, and it really ticked me off. And then, and I'll never forget. I, I was like, can you believe this? And I scrolled through it again. And then I saw the emojis people were adding and the emojis were genuinely happy. Hmm. They were smiling. They were, you know, 
LMAO, they were, people were sharing them and it was great. And I just thought, okay, let's, let's get right sized here. Maybe this has nothing to do with me. These people don't know that I had an acting career and I feel sometimes like I was a failed artist and I had this existential crisis. It just brings them joy. That brings joy. Coffee brings joy. This whole Tom Cruise things bring joy. I had mentioned, I think I grew up in a political family and when I was able to own my own insecurities about this Tom Cruise thing, I thought, God, you know, it'd be kind of funny. What does Tom Cruise do better than anybody in the world? He runs. What if Tom Cruise ran for president? What would that even mean? Like in real life, like if Tom Cruise were actually, mm-hmm. and at this point, this was the first, you yeah, know, it was yeah. Biden versus Trump. Yeah. And I thought, well, what if Tom Cruise actually entered the race? Yeah. Like, but in real life, mm-hmm. what would his campaign video look like? And uh, director, Stephen Vitale, he and I collaborated and came up with this incredible idea that Tom would actually run in a very cinematic, in a full suit yeah. for, and give a whole soliloquy while sprinting, mm-hmm. why he's qualified because he's not, you know, just any man, he's literally every man and yeah. he's played it. And it was so fun. And so we shot this video. I mean, this thing's over the top. There's F-14s in the yeah, background. It's, crazy. it's yeah. amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are those real? Uh, those are, those are not, those are okay. not real, but the meat <laughs> was, running yeah. was very real. In fact, yeah. I really screwed up my foot. I was running in lace up Ferragamos yeah. in a nice suit. Uh, and just to practice the soliloquy. And of course my friends were like, Fisher, you're spending this kind of budget for like no, ret- you're just throwing a video on YouTube yeah. again. And it's like, I just love this stuff. And so did that video and, uh, it blew up. It was a lot of fun. It's holds up very well and got millions of views. And then uh, months later, somebody sent me a clip of that video saying, whoa, check this out. And uh, somebody had deep faked it. And it was Tom Cruise's face on me. And that was a really bizarre thing just to experience because it's like, wait a minute, that's my video. I know that's my body. This is my everything. But like, it was Tom Cruise. And it wasn't perfect. It was a little glitchy. This was this was now almost three years ago when this happened. Um, and thanks to the power of the internet, tracked down the guy who did it, Chris Ume, who is a Belgium guy who's living in Thailand and really created this software. And so, you know, I was just giving him advice and we kind of developed this relationship. And I could also sense he was a real artist. Mm. He was a genuine artist and passionate about it. And so at one point he just said, oh, and by the way, you know, that model that I built has just gotten better and better because it's AI, it's kind of self-generating. So if you ever want another video, um, just let me know and we can turn it around. So what are you talking about? He's like, just take take out your iPhone and just shoot a selfie video and I'll turn around something in 48 hours. That's crazy, yeah. So I took a little video and I sent it to him. In 48 hours I had, the first real deep Tom Cruise. And it was a very bizarre thing. And so I put it just up on, you know, my Instagram, just on mm-hmm. my stories. And then this was at the time when like, everybody was talking about like, whoa, LinkedIn's really trying to juice their like video. <laughs> yeah. So I put it on like my LinkedIn feed. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then Emma Chamberlain, who was like, no, no, Miles, like TikTok's where it's at now. Really? Like, so you Emma was TikTok. the one who said to put it on TikTok? Yeah, because wow. I didn't, I didn't know, you know. That's cool. I was gen one Facebook and yeah. like know enough about Instagram, but like I wasn't on TikTok. I didn't download yeah. TikTok and put it up on TikTok. And I just remember like a day later, like I checked like Instagram and LinkedIn and my friends were like, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is, what is this? Mismatch. And like, I took it yeah. down. And then another day went by and I was like, oh, wait a minute, there was that thing. And I had to like, remember what my, my login was. Yeah. And I opened up TikTok and it had 6 million views. Oh my mm. God. And I was like, that's not right. Wait, wait like, was this the, right. the golf video or which one was this? Uh, well, it was originally a video. The thing that I had sent to him, yeah. I had, uh, have a podcast. And so yeah. I just, in my backyard was like, hey, I've got this podcast and mm-hmm. you should check it out. And I took that, so it was that, it was a video that I'd since taken down Mm -hmm. because it was 5 million views. And then it was something like, I mean, it was outrageous. It was, it was literally like a hundred thousand like comments. Got it. Yeah. So I took it down and I was like, this is nuts. Yeah. And I was like, let's make another one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I thought, okay, well, what, like, what, what is, what it, first off, what is this? And what would Tom Cruise do? And this was early in the pandemic, very early. And so one of the only things I could do was one of the, one of the only things you could do outside was actually play golf. 
because it was open and spread out. Yeah. You could legally play golf. This mm -hmm. was early on when like you couldn't legally go to a grocery store, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And so there was a driving range nearby and I just set up the little thing and I thought, okay, well, what would Tom Cruise? And so I set it down and I was like, what's up internet? Who loves sports? You guys cool if I play some sports? If you like what you're seeing, just wait till what's coming next. <laughs> and that thing went berserk. I and remember it was seeing that. So exciting. I believed it though. So did the rest of the world. The rest of the world, yeah. And then it became very scary very fast. Right. It became a global phenomenon. It was yeah. the most famous deep fake. I mean, very quickly in the first year, hundreds of millions of people spent over billion minutes absorbing it. And since then it's only grown. Yeah. And the story, the initial story was not, hey, meet this enterprising guy in California and in Thailand. The story was deep fakes are here and you and your family need to be afraid. Yes. There's so much mm -hmm. fear tied up to that. Yeah, for sure. It's like deep fakes start with amazement and then in incredible fear. What else would I believe? Yeah. What, sure. What's real? Uh, what does this mean for my job? Right. Like mm -hmm. everything, there's so much fear attached to it. And and it's it is understandable. Listen, the 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 ultimate uh, gauge for all of time up to now was okay. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. And now maybe Here we no are. longer. What what it, like what was the experience of Deep Tom Cruise? Like the rise of it, because like from the first video, you you said some of that motion was like a little bit of fear of like oh my god, this is so big, this is bigger than. Mm -hmm. When did it shift from like that to? this is exciting and fun and like. Well, it was always exciting. It was always exciting okay. and fun yeah. because again, it was a way for me to just to really share, share joy with people. It was a creative outlet during the pandemic. And I got to say also like, I grew up loving Tom Cruise. Yeah, of course. Those posters on my wall. Like yeah, I, yeah. I, I, mm -hmm. I wanted to do it in a way that if I ever, you know, met him in real life, he'd be like, Hey, like you're a good kid. Like yeah. I really, you know, mm -hmm. there's no, no cheap shots on him in any way. I, I grew up loving the guy. I, I want to ask about, um, how you internalize the, the ethics and the relationship of, of you and the actual Tom Cruise. I take pride that I feel, uh, you know, I've never exploited or had any cheap gags towards mm -hmm. him. We've never monetized this at all. Boy. Yeah, it would be nice and, and with the amount of followers I, I was had. I going to say, you'd have to, to assume that brands have reached out, right? A uh, bunch of brands have, yeah, have reached yeah. out. And I think that's kind of the the the, the cheap yes over the correct sure. no in the long term. And so yeah. we've never done that. Now, it, we've been able to use that to build an actual meaningful company. Right. Um, and we consider ourselves, and we are, the world leaders in you know hyper-real synthetic mm -hmm. generated content. That is cinematic quality. Yeah. Um, I think, again, we've increased his relevancy, actually measurable by billions mm -hmm. of views. Yeah. And I am now at this point, I don't know what else I have to prove. I just, I would, I would, I would, I'm, it's not that I'm performing for an audience of one, but, uh, you know, I just hope that he uh, appreciates that this has all been done with great, great reverence. His team's aware, right? Like you guys have had some level of correspondence. Mm -hmm. His his team is aware. You can't, everybody's aware. Yeah, yeah. There's no thing. world yeah. where he hasn't seen it. Right. Yeah. Um, if you really wanted it taken down and erased, uh, how would you perceive that? Well, if if that's something he wants, um, I think that's that's absolutely worth listening to. I offered him the passcode offered to take down the TikTok when it had a hundred, you know, very mm -hmm. early, early days. And they, they mm -hmm. didn't want to validate or anything. Again, to the younger generation of consumers, next thing he has Mission Impossible coming out. Well, the whole DNA of Mission Impossible is the phenomenon of. Yeah. So we could do that. Yeah. I remember when I was young watching MTV Music Video Awards and it would be like oh, Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller yeah. Oh, that was so mm -hmm. good. It's like, why yeah. is it okay for Ben Stiller? But yeah. like the, oh no, the guy who's kind of the, I don't know. I've yeah, always felt yeah, a little yeah. guilty until proven innocent, yeah. which mm -hmm. is why it's like, yeah, but I want to do this and I want to yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. And so, granted, so, hard to like feel sympathetic mm -hmm. for the Tom Cruise Tom. looking guy. Yeah, yeah. But I, again, it's it's trying to, in a positive way, uh, yeah. Did selfishly, uh, coming off the heels of Top Gun Maverick, which was an incredible movie, I would love to see a Top Gun movie with a young Tom Cruise. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
And I guess that would perhaps be your your re-entrance to uh, acting in a, in a major motion picture. Well, we we could also just have Tom Cruise play himself at the age of 20. Mm. Um, we can de-age and age people up. Interesting. Uh, I think his first movie was a movie called Losing It that he starred in at the age of 17. So um, we have the data. And with his consent, if he so chooses... Uh, we can we can do every single age wow. uh, that he could desire, and it Imagine. could be him, and it could be his performance, and it could be mm-hmm. real and meaningful. And you That's will so see crazy. something like that with the new Tom Hanks movie that we just wrapped shooting that Bob Zemeckis is directing, and um, you'll have never seen anything like this. And the creative concept would not have been possible, you know, without. Our, our visual capabilities. So because cool. because like Tom Hanks, you have him in big and you- I, We only work with people named Tom. Yeah, 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 <laughs> only Toms. Uh, yeah, so you can like, you can make him look like he looked in big or, and then all the way up to, you've got mail and you get, you have all this data. So, That's right. But but it's Tom Hanks today. That's right. And he's acting uh-huh. and then he, he, he looks playing young. Up till this moment of time, you would have had to have cast right. a 20 year old version. Wow. You know, you can do certain stuff. Sure. And again, this is- you know, one of the more recent examples was a big, very expensive Netflix production called The Irishman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, was very cool. And oh, there was yeah. a bit with like Al Pacino, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, trying to de-age yeah. him. And it was okay. One Great. Um, this is extraordinary. Mm. And what that unlocks for creativity. Like this is, right now, this is cutting edge visual effects work. Yeah. But what it could mean is extraordinary. And I always, in talking to Chris Ume, said, you know, what is, what is the dream? What is, what is the dream? And his dream was, I want to be able to have a real conversation with my great grandparents. I want it to be lifelike. I, now it's just like a memory of what I was told. They were never alive when I was alive. And I just thought that was such a beautiful vision. And knowing that he had an artist's kind of like soul, you know, we started making, making more videos and then building this, uh, this team and this operation. And it has been, it's been terribly exciting. Um, I think it's changing so fast. You have to remember, you know, when this company started, which was only two years ago, the biggest things going were NFTs Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. the metaverse. Yeah. Yeah. Gary V. (laughs) This is the most important thing that's ever happened in civilization. (laughs) Is it though? (laughs) (laughs) And, and so uh, things change. Yeah. We are mm-hmm. right now smack dab in the middle of a huge hype cycle, but it's real. Generative AI is real. Um, and it's only kind of 1.0. Um, and so the future of the internet, who knows if it's the metaverse or whatnot, it is going to be increasingly visual. I think one of the great promises of this new technology is empathy. That's really what makes us human. It's, it's hard to do business. It's hard to have a real conversation with sexy unicorn three, two, four, (laughs) right? Yeah. Yeah. You know what you want to wear in the metaverse is your real face. The, the, the future of the internet, where we work and education and gaming and commerce, shopping, therapy will be populated with hyper real lifelike figures that are deeply personal and relevant to you. So it is really important um, how that content is made and the rights of the individuals, Yeah, the mm-hmm. consent of the individuals for any model that is built so, off of biometric data. So you guys went on America's Got Talent mm-hmm. and used the technology to in real time bring back Elvis. It's bananas. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Cause also the guy kind of looks somewhat like Elvis, right. but not mm-hmm. really. Right. Not yeah. really. Right. Did that like what 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 is the process of that? Did you have to get that the rights for Elvis's face? Is that it was that, a lot. Well, that the, doesn't exist right now, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't put into a trust saying like when I die, Miles can have the rights to my face, which sure you can use this legally as you just got the rights to my face. <laughs> uh but yeah, but uh like that's not a current thing where it's like my name, image, likeness, voice, you know, like where where did you go to get Elvis's Mm -hmm. uh, likeness rights? So the the first part of that, which is important was, listen, it's always easier to show people what works than tell them what can work. 
we need to be entertainment adjacent, just like Deep Tom Cruise, to showcase creative joy. People in the audience, and you know, I saw it, just leapt to life. They've never seen anything like it before. You would think, wait a minute, but this is synthetic, and I'm gonna, it was, it was just incredible. I'd like to thank Tom, Chris, and Metaphysic for having me here tonight. The thing about Hyperreal is when it is really good, which Tom Cruise, Deep Tom was the first example, it just leaps over the uncanny valley. And then it is just real to you. So it, it is definitely a new paradigm in the visual grammar of storytelling. Yeah. Not only with Deep Tom Cruise, I can do the voice. It's my voice. Yeah. It's my acting and ideas and, mm -hmm. you know, wrote it and predict, and also the mannerisms. And then it's laid on top of me. We can now also create, you know, audio of someone. And so imagine being able to speak any language in the world with perfect fluency to right. anybody else. Mm -hmm. And that's happening like in concert with all of this. Like obviously, you know, Mr. Beast on YouTube is translating everything into multiple that's languages, right. but hiring uh, voice actors to yep. do it and yep. they're dubbing it. That's an expensive endeavor right. to do that, right? right? In every language. I went to one of his videos recently and I couldn't believe the languages that are featured. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's not the, it's not, okay, we'll do Spanish, Hindi, and, mm -hmm. you know, French. Think right. about what that would do for our show. Yeah, if of Instantaneously, course. you could listen to us speak in, in, in any language. language. Yeah. That's what I that. wonder is like, how available is all of this going to be for people like us, you know? Well, right now it starts what with all AI, and right now, you know, uh, chat GPT yeah. and all of that is kind of at the center of our consciousness. It's all about the data. It's all about the data that you put into the model. Mm. Um, so if we begin to, and again, anything that's built off of your biometric data, your visage, part of your appearance that makes you human, you need to own all that content and how it is applied. I don't know if right now I'll be able to talk to my deceased great-grandparents. Sure. But I got a good feeling that my grandchildren are going to be able to interact with me in a hyper real, very realistic way. And, mm. and what you're saying is that like, because there will be enough data on how you interact, how you would speak. How many emails have you written yeah. right now? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> Maybe 30,000? Yeah. Maybe more, yeah. Or how much video there is. Yeah, I guess there's so much video of- Speaking in long High era. definition, yeah. all of it, all of it, all yeah. of it. Um, mm. But it is really important on, again, who, who makes this and who kind of has, you know, hands out, even the library cards. Um, right now, you try to get oh your God. cookie data from yeah. Meta and Google. Good luck to you. Oh my God. The future so promise of Web3 is real. Yeah. Um, and the blockchain is real, but we need to get a lot smarter. There needs to be a verified way where you own all of those assets and you can do with them what you please. That also brings along new ethical ramifications, Yeah. for example. So we could now have a show where it is Barack Obama interviewing Martin Luther King Jr. We can have Serena Williams interviewing Muhammad Ali. Okay, very cool. Who writes the dialogue for Martin Luther King Jr.? Even if it's like a Pulitzer Prize winning like yeah, historian, yeah. Mm -hmm. once it's out there, it works in your memory. Hyperreal just becomes real. And so it's like, oh, but he said this thing. And he said, you see, even to this day, like the British royal family is furious about the show The Crown right. because it's a manifested approach. It's like, but that's a, but it's a TV show. This yeah. isn't real yeah, yeah, on yeah. Netflix. It's like, mm -hmm. well, but it is real yeah. to people. And, you know, history is perpetuated by those yeah. that continue mm -hmm. to tell its story. That's in the interesting. I, I felt that way about the narrative show on HBO about Magic Johnson and the Lakers. Sure. Because mm -hmm. he was unhappy from what I understand with how he was portrayed. Right. And I don't have that much of an understanding of the actual story of the Lakers. That was right. sort of my first yeah. entry point. And I kind of just take it as, well, maybe it's not totally exactly how it happened, but that was the feeling I'm sure everyone had. That was kind of the sentiment mm -hmm. right. of what happened. And I take that with a grain of salt, but also that's the closest thing to truth that I have because that's what I'm exposed to. If Deep Tom Cruise has done anything, it's really just way raise awareness you know, there was no like, no, this is really like, Tom. it's like, you're right, <laughs> mm -hmm. this is it. Yep. And let's kind of show you a little bit behind the curtain and let's talk about this because this is a real thing. Mm -hmm. um, and we all need to take agency because the future, the future is here.
It's interesting that we as, you know, human beings, uh, first of all, like enjoy playing pretend or like impersonating things, right? Like reliving stories. And even the, the fact that you keep bringing up like the desire to bring back your great grandparents. Like, mm -hmm. why do you think we have this obsession with um, like seeing each other or like seeing a hyper real version of life? It's hardwired into the human experience. We are just hardwired looking in someone's face to know I mean, our survival depended on it and split second decisions back, you know, in hunter gatherer times. I can trust this person. Mm. This person is with me. We have locked in. There is something about the human face that matters deeply. Again, for me, always it was, hey, not Miles Fisher or enterprising. It's like just reduced to Tom Cruise kind of guy. Right. Just because of the face. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, too, that what Tom Cruise is is immediately contextualizes the thing for everybody. Mm, We've yeah. all seen him and it's like, oh, that's interesting because that's you. People can just understand it. Mm. But in order for that to happen, his face has to stand for something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that's really important as we get into the like generative AI conversation, like human beings are able to create that emotion, you know, that emotional transformation in someone. Right. And then you build off of that because they've, the human has created it. And then the generative AI can, either remix it, recreate it, or transform it. But in my opinion, like the stuff that's amazing us right now is like, oh, someone, uh, you know, wrote a Kanye West type, you know, uh, hip hop song, and then they put it to a Kanye West type beat and then generated his voice. And then we're amazed because it sounds like him. Right. But it's what we're amazed by is that it sounds like him. Right. You know, and so mm -hmm. it has to start with him, him right. creating a, a brand, a vibe, a, a sound. And That's I, right. I think maybe now, but not over time. You think, think that over time? Well, I think that, like Kanye has a brand, yeah, right? Because of his ability and because of the time that he's been in market sure. producing music. And there may be a time when generative AI produces things that are, of course, uh, gathering other inputs, but have maintained a consistent enough yeah. brand that connects with humans over time, where it's Do like, that brand is not Kanye. It's some new name. Right. That is a brand that exists within generative AI. I guess that's that my question. People. Is there a, do you think there's a future to, you know, a movie star that is, is purely generated, yeah. you know, or, or a hip hop artist or a, or a YouTuber or a, a live Twitch streamer. That's just, you know, the inputs are being generated that what, what's being output is being generated by AI. The face is generated by AI. The well, voice is generated. We've by already AI. seen that in a static sense with say Michaela. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You know, Japan and South Korea with traditionally has been very yeah. kind of forward on this where huge yep. influencers, you know, and you have LVMH brands yeah. actually paying these synthetic creations as influencers. Mm -hmm. I find that a lot of these existential crises for creativity, uh, trains of thought are a bit cyclical. For example, uh, I've been reading a lot of kind of criticism from the 1850s and the 1860s. Publications like The Atlantic are pretty extraordinary. They have all their archives. Mm -hmm. And uh, around the time the advent of the camera, is the actual camera, uh, unanimously, everybody, thoughtful people, said creativity's dead. What are painters gonna do? Yeah. For thousands of years, they right. have captured mm. uh, the essence of portraiture, of landscapes, of moments. Well, now all that's out the window because th there's, there's no more, what's the point? This captures in perfect likeness everything. So there's no more creative, you know, art is dead. We know that not to be the case. Perspective matters. And again, feeling matters. You know, one, one thing I just want to impart to your audience, you, you use the tools that are available to you and you express an original point of view. And if it is your original point of view, if people respond to that, then you're the only source that can provide that. Mm. And it's authentic. Yeah. I think the thing that when we first met that really opened my eyes when I talk to you and then learn more about you. We had breakfast and I remember coming away from that breakfast and thinking about the expansion of the term creator. Mm. Like what the, the way we talk about the term creator specifically on this show, you immediately think someone who makes YouTube videos or right. someone who makes internet videos, right? That's how we've defined creator. But to be someone who has utilized the internet to create 
it can expand beyond just video and media, right? It's to create businesses, to create relationships, to create, like you, you've created a lot. And I think that you embody the definition of creator where it's like, you know, right now the, the, the breadth of businesses you have, you know, between AI and, and coffee, like, I don't think this is Miles Fisher in your final form. Like I know that the next chapter, there will be another chapter mm -hmm. at some point where you might enter a totally different business because sure. it's, it hits you creatively and you're like, that's cool. You know, there's a great Steve Jobs commencement speech at Stanford and uh, you can you can look it up, maybe put it in the show notes where he just says, look, you can only connect the dots in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need to have faith in something going forward that just holds you on because only in retrospect can you say, oh, naturally, A led to B led to C. I couldn't in a million years have made up the fact that I came out to Hollywood, a little bit of like luck is when preparation meets opportunity. The opportunity was this new thing of visual media and YouTube. I started making music videos, impersonating other people, Christian Bale and mm -hmm. Zach Morris. That went well, then started acting and stuff, then realized there's a ceiling of acting because people can't get beyond this like visage thing starting a coffee company, having that coffee company blow up when we signed, like worked with a 19 year old yeah. whose core audience was 16, who, by the way, when you're 16, like I wasn't brewing coffee at home <laughs> yeah, yeah. nor subscribing to anything. Yeah. Um, and then to have like that girl turn me on to TikTok, which blew up like the most famous, like thing, and then to do the synthetic, sure. mm -hmm. who knows? And who knows what comes next? All I know is this kind of overused catchphrase of, well, it's really important to be authentic. Yeah. Well, you know what? It really is. And people need to learn that kind of on their own. To call yourself an artist is an awkward, weird, difficult, insecure thing for most. We think we will somehow be legitimized by getting signed mm -hmm. or getting a degree from some fancy place or publishing or sales metrics. All of that is artificial. You are an artist when you say you are an artist. And you are a good artist when you make someone feel something deeply and unexpected. And you've got to bet on yourself. You can be more entrepreneurial now with the tools that are out there. Yeah. Um, but you've got to kind of participate. And so now the tools are different. The, the tools are different when I was coming up. And before that, you know, everything changes and is in flux, but what matters is how you make people feel. And, um, you know, with the future of cinema, again, we are, who, who, who knows with cinema? I mean, yeah. novels are extraordinary, but, you know, now you have chat GPT that can <laughs> generate a lot of those. Yeah, You can now do pod, even podcasts, which yeah. I find amazing. You could actually, in a very realistic way, have an entire conversation with someone who has been deceased for 200 years, right. having combed instantaneously through mm -hmm. everything they have ever published right? and ask them very meaningful questions. Well, I think that's really exciting. I want to listen to that. Mm. I would love a real conversation with Thomas Jefferson. Yeah. Or you name it. It'd be wild. It can be done. Yeah. It's all happening right now. Yeah. And I would just say, you know, get in the sandbox and play around. What's great is it's very democratized. And everybody can do it. Yeah, everyone can use it. But it's crazy. bringing awareness to the forefront is critical. That is what Deep Tom is doing. And everything now is has to, you know, the, the, the ethics and the consent of the individual are paramount. I, I wanted to ask you, you've been involved in so many viral ideas. You know, I look at your catalog of work and I'm like, wow, you, you were somehow around some of the most viral videos on the internet. You created some of the most viral videos on the internet. You've now created one of the most viral ideas on TikTok. Like what's the recipe for virality? Like, what do you think takes an idea from like, that's a cool idea to this is going to connect with millions of people. Uh, the honest uh, short answer is I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to do something sustainably if you're really not passionate about it. You, you can you can work your way into something, but not to continue it, to make it worth watching. A viral video doesn't go viral because everybody sees it. It goes viral because the people who do watch it, watch it over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. There's this quote uh, from David Lynch that I've always liked, which is ideas are like fish. You don't make fish. You gotta 
catchfish. Mm. And uh, I've always related to that. And so what I do, my secret sauce is I actually read a newspaper in print every single day, every morning. I've done this since high school. And it has to be in print because if you read a bit of what's on each page, you know, the traditional newspaper editor actually has a real job and you're aware and somewhat fluent in all the conversations that are going on in the world. Um, if you just read online, and I love emails, and I love Substack and newsletters and everything, and you guys have an extraordinary one, and I try to consume a lot, you're still not necessarily following what's going on in Myanmar or what's new in mm -hmm. the aviation business in Latin America. Okay, mm. doesn't really apply, but let me tell you something. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity, but I believe you can increase the surface area of luck if you are aware of more than what immediately surrounds you. I've only found two things in common that every kind of successful person in the entertainment sphere has. One, their story is entirely unique and cannot be kind of replicated by formula mm. with anyone else. Mm. And two, they never quit. Yeah. Those are the only two mm -hmm. things in common. Those are great <laughs> markers. For every yeah. actor and performer mm -hmm. and artist and creator, um, you are now just... It's not that you're just starting out, but I know you guys and how sincerely uh, ambitious you are for all the right yeah. reasons. It feels like we're just now starting out. Totally. We're just catching our, it's like, well, 13 years is a long time to stretch before the marathon. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. But you didn't quit. And so you have to be resourceful. Like I can't tell you when uh, my partner Remington and I were building this coffee business, just how many times you get to the very, very, very last squeeze of like the toothpaste in the jar. And like when you do, like you have to be really creative on finding how to get a little bit more toothpaste out of out of that. You know, we didn't, we weren't a venture backed business. We bootstrapped everything totally on our own. Um, and so you, you, you just find a way to survive. And in that creates a lot of sincerity where now like the brand is very well established. Uh, people are going to watch Colin and Samir for like very in-depth real-time documentaries mm -hmm. of their, the people who live in, you know, their imagination and yeah. their, their heroes and this sense of you can do this too and come join, come join yeah. the table, pull up a chair. I think there's, if, 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 if you enjoy it, and you're able, again, just to collaborate with other like-minded, there's very little downside. Mm -hmm. Look, if zero people listen or watch this, I got to spend two and a half hours talking to you guys. Yeah. It's net plus to me. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, so just think in that spirit where there's totally. very, very little downside, but a lot of upside. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Thanks, Miles. guys. This yeah, has been amazing. Thanks, uh, yeah. It's been a pleasure. Yeah.